This is the last uh, full day of this retreat, beginning of a new day. These are the perceptions come to my mind in regards to the fact that we're on a retreat for one week. Now these, these of course, influence us. We think of the, the tomorrow is the, is the final day when everybody that came together will uh, separate. And these words, these these perceptions, uh, and set forth a kind of feeling of, of um, you know, affect affect the uh, how we think and how we act, and just to note this, how the the power of our words and thoughts is like the last day or the the beginning. We think this is the beginning of this day. In, in reflecting, we, we're, we can use this, this type of thinking, reflective thinking, to, to bring into consciousness the way it is, and then to, uh, just through the, the perceptions we have, and then the way that we feel about it, the way these perceptions, how they make us feel. <clears throat> When something's coming to an end, what does it feel like? I mean, it has its own, that, that thought itself is different than, say, the beginning of a retreat. A week ago, on Saturday morning, you still, you had the, you had the perception that the retreat is just beginning. And that was one feeling, and the retreat is now coming to an end, and it, that has a different feeling. It's pointing to, to feeling from the level of using these perceptions, just to note that the, this, this, this realm of perception is, is very powerful and influential on, on the mind and how we, how, what we do and what we how we feel about ourselves in life and what's happening. <clears throat> then we use the perception like the beginning of a day rather than just thinking of it as the last full day of the retreat. We, we develop a sense of, of renewal and beginning again even though this is the last full day of the retreat. Tomorrow is the last day yet we, we we don't want to just go by that one but this sense of, of renewal even in every moment or using the beginning of a day to kind of reestablish renew your life uh, to to remind yourself to let go of of all the stuff that you accumulate uh, and not carry anything around from you know, from the previous day or previous days, this uh, reflection on just being able to let go of life and to renew yourself is is a way of 
being mindful and having a sense of of uh, freshness and and vigor to deal with the life as you're experiencing it, where when we carry the the problems, the the uh, memories, the perceptions of previous of the previous day or from the past into the present, oftentimes we feel burdened and exhausted or uh, burnt out, stressed, overwhelmed by just the thought of all that you're responsible for, all that's happened to you in your life and and the, the whole your whole history, biography, if you keep if you if you bring it into this moment and you bring it bring it in as a kind of negative the the, the disappointments the the uh, expectations and duties responsibilities that you have or people expect or project onto you you can feel i can't take it it's too much but when we recognize the beginning is always is like it's always we're always new in our mind, the body gets old, but the mind—if you, if you let go of the mental baggage and and and, and the uh, attachment to memories and of the past—then the mind is always fresh, clear, and bright. That's its true nature. A few years ago, there's this little old lady that she died in 1986. Some of you might remember her. Nanda was an English woman that, a uh, small little thing, just about ready to turn 90 just before she died. And uh, she had a very bright mind. Uh, but her senses were all going. She had terrible vision. She could hardly see. Uh, deaf. She, you had to kind of shout at her for her to hear. Whenever you talked to her, you had to kind of raise your voice. And uh, so she, she had uh, her senses were were obviously weakening and and fading out and her body was very, very old. She still could get around and had but a very bright and clear mind. So some people like to perceive her as an old lady that that was deaf and, and had poor vision and getting old and then you perceive her as that. You you tend to you don't tend to uh, realize that she's not really that. She's not just an old lady that you have to kind of yell at for her to hear, hear what you're saying, and who can't really see very well. And she told me that, and she says, you know, it's, she says, it's my body that's old, my mind isn't, isn't old. <laughs> and from my own experience, it's like that, you feel as you see yourself aging, you know, you realize that's the body. But, but the mind, say, through meditation, doesn't, it seems to, you know, if you're meditating, your mind seems to get brighter. Because you're, you're, you're letting go of the 
rubbish that makes you that makes your mind seem old. I mean, when you think of yourself as a, as a somebody who's so many years old uh, that all these things have happened to, and and then you think in uh, you know the traumas of life, the disappointments, the things you've done wrong, the guilt, the the mistakes you've made, the wrongs that have been done to you, um, the fact that maybe you couldn't, you didn't get to do what you really wanted to, and and that then your mind is is kind of like an old old, it's getting old, it's filled with old memories, old things that you that you are attached to. <coughs> Just like your body, if you think your body, you are your body, then if you're if you're getting old, then you're somebody who's getting old, and if you're 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 an old man or old woman, according to the attachments. But in a reality uh, of life, in there's always this this ability to to shed, to relinquish. Not to get rid of. We're not trying to pretend we're young, and not a kind of vanity and resistance against old age. But it's being able to put it, the aging process and that which is old, in its proper perspective, so that we're not attached to it and not identified with it, not, not holding on to to the the things of the past. As you can see, when your mind is clear during this retreat, the moments that there's when you're not attached to anything, you're not trying to get something, you're not trying to get rid of something, that, that mind that, that is, is like that is bright, clear, peaceful, it's blissful mind. That's its true nature, that's the pure mind. That's the purity of the mind. That's, that's the empty mind. It's a non-self mind, it's not personal mind. To become a person you have to think about, you have to remember that you are somebody. Carrying that sense of renewal into each moment, the eternal now, the ever-present present, the Pachubhanantamma, Pali, uh, Pachubana is present, here and now, and the Dhamma, the, the here and truth of the here and now. Poetic term, the eternal moment. Because then we touch into eternity, isn't it, when, we, when we're mindful, because it's now rather than tomorrow or yesterday. In this reflection on time, it's uh, something that time, the perception of time is very, we believe in it, we have, ours is an age where time is of the essence, you, you, your time is valuable. You make money by the hour. You get paid by the hour. You know, if you 
if you're dealing with uh, lawyers and solicitors, you have to be really careful these days not to waste the time by offering them a cup of tea or anything. <laughs> because you have to pay for it, excruciating, expensive prices, just for them, just to talk to them for an hour. <clears throat> An age of clocks that we have, I remember when, when, uh, when I was in Thailand years ago, uh, if you had a clock, you were your own personal clock, you were, you were quite, consider that was a kind of like a, a luxury item. And uh, then they didn't have these quartz clocks, it's these kind of little travel clocks that you wind up and that was, that was considered, uh, you know, if you could get a, a good clock and then uh, you were pretty lucky. Now we have clocks all over the place. Due to being able to mass produce clock, very good clocks that keep good time through the modern technology, and they're cheap, so clocks are everywhere. People give me clocks. I have all kinds of clocks. I should take them and put them in a storeroom because you can't find monks who need clocks anymore. They're all overwhelmed with their own clocks. the problems of modern life. <laughs> what do you do with all the clocks? So this, this the dependency and, re, re, and sometimes we don't realize that time is the perceptual realm. <clears throat> it's uh, the past and the future are perceptions in the mind. In that they, they're right now, because there's only the now in, in whatever you know, wherever you are, or whatever age you are, or when, it, when it comes to the reality of being, it's, it, that's all there ever is, is now for us. Because the past is a memory. <clears throat> you, don't, you don't expect or anticipate the past, do you? There's no hope for the past. You don't, you don't generate those kind of mental conditions around the past. You don't hope, expect, or anticipate or worry about the, the past because that's a memory that's finished. It's, it's what you remember, what has happened and what, and that, so then you, you uh, see that's a condition of your mind that arises in the present moment only. You assume that the past is a lot more than that, don't you? That, that, it, that it has a reality, we give it a reality, we believe in it as, as actually being a, a lot more than just a memory in the present. But it, practically speaking, as an as a experience, uh, reflecting on the way it is as, as an experience of life, of our life is, is now remembering we're now sitting here 
remembering the past. Yesterday is the past now. The memory, what you remember of what happened yesterday. The future then is the conditions we create, like hope, worry, dread, anticipation. Uh, so the future is, is, is that mental state that's always planning something or worrying about what might happen or looking forward to the, to the holiday, looking forward to the next exciting experience, or looking forward to the next adventure, uh, or dreading something, dreading what might happen, what's going to happen to me in the future. But uh, practically speaking, in this present moment, those are mental conditions that we, we create in our mind. Those are sankharas, like worrying and dreading and expecting and hoping, anticipating. So seeing the Dhamma of it, when we, in, in Buddhist uh, language, we, we talk about seeing the Dhamma. We're putting it in the terms of the way it is, as in its practical form, as an experience, rather than the assumptions and the prejudices and biases and emotional reactions that we have from these perceptions. Just to think, think about my past, and then that that sense of me and having lived so many years and the things that I've done. We use the word like if you say, "She is a woman with a past." What do we? What does that imply? <laughs> I mean, we're all people with a past, and that, and that implies that. She's done something a bit, uh, uh, maybe not so good. <laughs> Interesting how in the West we equate uh, immorality with, with sex, isn't it? How we say, if we say she's an immoral woman, it usually implies that some kind of sexual activities that she's been involved in that are not socially acceptable. It doesn't mean that she told a lie. <laughs> you say, that's an immoral woman. It usually implies something sexual rather than maybe she's just a, a liar. I mean, lying is immoral too, you see. But the, the way we say things, the perceptions that we, we, uh, that that we have, we we empower them, and and uh, they affect us. We can say things like, "She has a past," and that then we can all kind of, "Hmm, yes." <laughs> wonder what it is, rather than just say, "Well, she has." A, we all have a past, and then. Then, but it's a kind of matter of fact. We don't think, oh, I wonder what all the paths are here. (laughs) 
karma then in the, like when we when we you can see from your own from looking uh, remembering the past your past what's happened to you there are certain perceptions or memories that that bring you happiness and certain ones that that don't that you regret or you feel guilty about or you feel sad about or you feel uh, angry about or you feel you, you have a, a whole kind of filing system of I, I remember I used to think of my mind like having like one of these file cabinets with where you could pull out any kind of file you happen to be interested in if you wanted to be happy and kind of you know have a have a pleasant time during your meditation and you didn't want to watch your breath anymore and <laughs> you were fed up with practice then I could go into the filing cabinet of my mind pull out some happy memories I could start kind of nostalgia about things, pleasant things or pleasant experiences of the past and then I would feel, you know, it would be entertaining, it would be positive and, and uh, I mean, it would, uh, I could get, you know, a bit, get some entertainment out of remembering the happy days, the, the successes, the good moments, the pleasant uh, memories. And then sometimes your mind gets stuck in, in re remembering the the bad things you've done. And so you you think, oh, I'm going to have to pay for that. And uh, remember, I hope I didn't, you know, because of the when you're, we all make mistakes and we all do things that that uh, from selfish reasons or just from being caught up in one's own fears and and blinded by one's passions. But we remember that, so then we, we feel guilt and remorse. So the past can, can entertain us, make it, we get nostalgic. You can see some people, old people, when their minds get stuck, in, uh, as they get older, they, they just say the same things over and over. When I was a young man and I used to be a, a real champion. I was a really good football player, and and uh, remember when when Joe Brown came for a visit, and <coughs> and all this kind of uh, thing. We they, and then you go again the next day, and they say the same thing. Mind gets stuck like a broken record into just maybe nostalgia of for the the the, the fun things, the good old days of the past. <clears throat> or maybe one gets obsessed with one's failures as you get older you think oh yeah. ruined my life that incident that thing that happened and and uh, that mistake I made and it's ruined my life I'll never you know and one just becomes stuck in a with a memory an unpleasant memory that just becomes obsessive. So we recognize that our, you know, how what we do does affect our, our, our the present moment. So 
like reflecting on, on my life as a monk for 26 years. The memories of my monastic life. I look. I when I when I bring up the memories of of my of the, these years that I've been a monk, they're they're mostly pleasant memories. I've had a I've had a happy life as a monk. It's been a it's been I've I've lived in a way that I respect and and monks living uh, under the Vinaya, we don't we don't make heavy karma. We're celibate. We don't have money. We don't. We are. Uh, we just don't do things that that create strong memories. And before I was a monk, I used. I wasn't. I had did a lot of very strong, heavy made heavy karma uh, as a young man, and those memories I can still. They're still. You know, I can still remember them. Never forget, like to forget some of them, <laughs> but they are only memories. In the for the past twenty six years, and then the uh, the memories are not strong. Like then, then one doesn't. They don't kind of hang around you and and obsess your mind. But when I do remember uh, things of my monastic life, it. it it gives. I, I feel. It makes me feel uh, peaceful and and grateful. The sense of gratitude. And even though monastic life has not been easy, it's not an easy way to live. It, it is quite. You know, goes, one goes through pretty uh, some. You know, really uh, difficult patches in, in regards to. What you're feeling and thinking, and and uh, emotional uh, habits and tendencies, are certainly can can obsess your mind. But the uh, because of the the level of karmic action is is minimal. You don't it does you don't have a strong it doesn't become a strong memory. So twenty-six years have passed, almost like, like it's like been a. A flash, really. It, it's hard to believe, that 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 I've been a monk for twenty-six years, because twenty-six years seems like, in the perceptual realm, seems like a long time, doesn't it? Think of twenty-six years. It's, it seems like a long time to me when I when I the perception of twenty-six. But as a as a memory, now it seems very brief. Like I've only been a monk for a very short time. Like it's only been five years. Or so. so what we it, when you when you realize what you do, you have to remember. Then the the teaching the law of karma would be a very good thing to teach in the British uh, school system. I don't think they'll they'll do it, but. I think it would be a definite asset and a helpful uh, subject uh, to uh, maybe uh, solve some of the problems that that 
that uh, people have with their lives. Because uh, when you contemplate the law of karma, that if you do good, you receive good. If you do bad, you receive bad. Very simple, isn't it? Do good, receive good. Do bad, receive bad. If you do a good thing, then you get a good result. If you do a bad thing, you get a bad result. And then people ask, well, I know somebody who's done some evil things. He's a, he, he's been the most unscrupulous, mean-hearted businessman, but he's rich. He's got lots of money. He's got beautiful house. He has big cars. He takes holidays to marvelous resorts and all that everything. So he must, and that must mean that, that the law of karma is not true because he's done bad but he's received good. <laughs> so then we think, well maybe doing bad, then you, if you're really bad enough, you can really, you know, you get rich. <laughs> and then that's good. But it's not, because it's, if you're really, if you're looking at your mind, what's really affecting you, I mean, it's, uh, you have to remember, you, you remember the bad things you've done, and that is, that is the, the karma, isn't it? It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, that's not very important, really. It's, it's, it's your mind, how, how good your mind is. Because you can be perfectly happy and be poor. It doesn't po poverty is not an, isn't uh, you know isn't necessarily make one unhappy, maybe less comfortable. <clears throat> but to have to think in terms of the regret and guilt and remorse and fear and paranoia that come from having done bad things with your life. And uh, no amount of wealth and comfort is going to be able to disguise that. that you, you can just, you have to distract yourself, you have to drink a lot maybe, or take drugs, or, or you know, just gamble a lot, do things that are totally kind of distracting one right after another, because when you're alone with yourself, you can't stand it. People that have, uh, have killed others or done very heavy, heavy karmic things, like murder. I mean, it's very difficult for them to practice meditation because it's uh, the these these. Uh, that's such a heavy karmic thing that that. There's tremendous fear uh, in the mind from having done it. And I remember uh, years ago, before Laos uh, went communist, I used to live up in Nong Kai, and and my first one of my first teachers was a teacher in Vientiane, in a monastery, meditation monastery in in Vientiane, in Vientiane, and. Uh, I used to like to go over there and, and uh, see him. And one time, one of the monks was taking me around. Uh, it was a forest monastery, so they had little cooties. 
and uh, he was taking me on a tour of the monastery and there we stopped and the, one of this monk started talking to to the, uh, one of the monks who was in to the monk that was in this kuti who was practicing meditation and and I couldn't understand what they were saying but I was I saw that the monk that was meditating was very upset and a very miserable looking kind of monk and so when we left the the monk that was escorting me told me the story that he had been uh, with the Royal Lao army and had been involved in a lot of uh, killing, murdering and he had uh, and he was uh, had left the military and had become a monk but now he was trying to practice meditation but every time he sat down to meditate all these the faces of the people he's killed would come up in his mind and he's just frightened you know to sit there in his kuti in a safe place nice monastery good teacher but this monk was 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 terrified because the the faces of the people he murdered kept coming up and it's, he was he was murdering uh, i mean it was like killing in the name of you know doing your duty i imagine in the you're, you're a military, you're kind of given that, you're commanded to do things like that. It wasn't like a malicious murderer, but but a, a young man who was caught in a system and, and made heavy karma through, through that. And then later I found out that he couldn't, he didn't stay, he ran away, he couldn't bear uh, meditation or the monastic life because uh, it was just, it was too frightening because the, the memories of what he'd done were so terrifying. So when you, when you contemplate this, you, you see that, that, that when we talk about murder as a heavy karmic thing, it, 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 it uh, or killing, killing, uh, especially uh, human beings, that it's, uh, you might get away with it, maybe the the police will never catch you. You'll never be put in prison. You can, you you know, you might think you were a successful murderer, but you're stuck with the memories, and you will remember. It'll always it'll always be hanging on you, unless you learn how to relinquish, like through meditation, how to let go. It's difficult enough, even if you've never committed a murder and, or never done anything very bad. Just, <laughs> you know, just like for a monk. Now you tell, you say something slightly, you know, exaggerated, and you and you re realize it. You know, and you become very aware. Like if I, if if I give misinformation, just slightly off. I'm immediately aware. I feel a sense of remorse about it, knowing that I've that I've said something that wasn't quite right or or overstated. You know it right away. So then, knowing the law of karma, you 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 say must be more careful. Try to be more responsible and more accurate and more careful about what I say. 
because the the result of saying things in the wrong way or miss or uh, is is that 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 you know maybe it's not going to hurt anybody and it's not maybe going to upset anything or anyone else but there's this knowing in your own mind that this this conscience this uh, sense of uh, what we call hiri otapa or uh, dread of, 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 you know, no, it's a, it's a good quality. It's not like guilt, which tends to be an obsessive dwelling on the mistakes one has made, which is, uh, which is obsessive and, and just, uh, you know, from ignorance and, and is, uh, isn't, isn't what we call hiriotapa. Hiriotapa then is, is like having a conscience. If you don't have any hiriotapa, then you're a psychopath. You don't have any shame about anything. You just, you just, you don't feel the slightest bit of remorse. You tell a lie or kill somebody or rob a bank. You, you just don't feel anything about it because that's what we call a psychopathic personality. <clears throat> but in our state, human state, this hiriotapa is, is, is like the conscience. If we don't have a conscience, if we, if we a conscience can, can is, is, is what keeps us from doing horrible things. And it's a, it's, if, it's something to treasure, something to listen to, not, not as a, not as a, something, not as a, something to just nag and, and, and make you miserable. That's not shame. That's just obsessive, obsessions of the mind. But, Hiriotapa is that immediate feeling like if I should tell a lie right now. Maybe it's maybe it's a harmless lie, so it's not a not a big lie. No nobody's going to really suffer from it. But there's a knowing, isn't it, that I've told a lie. Right away there's a sense of shame. With me anyway, I notice this. There's a feeling of shame that I've said that I haven't that I've said something wrong. So then, that is a sign to me that I be more careful about what I say. I can go into guilt, like guilt then would be, oh, I'm a terrible person and, uh, you know, there I go again telling a lie and misrepresenting things and I'm, uh, you know, start feeling guilty, maybe I'll suffer in hell for that, or, or well, I'll just dismiss it. It was just a white lie, it didn't really matter, and, you know, it's not going to hurt anybody, just, you know, one of those things of life, and then you get defensive, and then you think, oh, I, I couldn't, I shouldn't have said that, misleading people again, and that's, that's guilt. But, uh, and that we can, we don't, we didn't do, we can stop that. That's waste of time. And we're just creating suffering, unnecessary dukkha for our lives. But the hiriotapa is that immediate uh, awareness of that, that we, we, you know, of what we do wrong with action or speech. <coughs> well, 
when you meditate, more and more you have more, you get more sensitive. It means that you're, you're more careful. Meditation doesn't make you into a psychopath. At least the right kind of meditation. <laughs> it's, uh, it's liberating you by, by, by sharpening this sense of, of shame. So it's not a neurotic hang-up, it's a, it's a gift. Without it, we wouldn't, the world would be terrible, wouldn't it? If we were all psychopaths, it'd be absolutely hell. It'd be, it, that would be hell. So the law of karma is, and we, well then, do good. Speak what is true, what is right. And then the memories you have, when you look back, are, are pleasant memories. You, you feel, you have self-respect, you have, you feel good. They make you, they, they inspire you, they uplift you. You feel gratitude, you feel uh, trust and happiness when you look back at, at a life that you, you've put forth in, uh, the effort and the, and the attention towards doing the good, speaking, telling the truth. When you look back at a life that has been a series of lies or selfish acts and, and uh, criminal acts or whatever, then it, then it must be horrendous. It must be horrible to, to have to, to remember those things. So that if, even if nobody knows and nobody ever punishes you for it, you punish yourself. People talk about capital punishment, they say, well, if you don't, you know, kill these, you know, these, these criminals, then they'll think they're going to get away with it. We want to punish these bad people because we want to, they, they'll think they, they can get away with, with criminal acts if we don't punish them. But it doesn't particularly, I can see that even if they never get caught, they punish themselves. You have to live with it. You have to remember. So this is a delicate, sensitive realm we're in. So be careful with it. Be mindful. And, uh, and be responsible for what you do and what you say and how you live. Because it's, uh, then, then you, when you remember the past, it will be a, a source of, of joy and happiness for you and, and comfort. When you, or if you don't, then when you remember the past, it will be, you'll be frightened by it. You'll be ashamed or guilt-ridden or neurotic, paranoid, oppressed or depressed by the horrible memories. 